0: Good morning, everybody. So good to be with you. If you're new with us, uh, my name's Aaron Stern. I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, it is a joy to worship the living God with you. Um, We live in a world where we have a voice problem, meaning there's a lot of voices out there. There's voices in the... house we live in, somebody else telling us what we should do, or this is how it works, or this is what this means, and if it's not that, it's this. We got voices and maybe it's not sound coming out of here, but, but it's like, Hey, listen to me and listen to this. And what about this? And this newsfeed and this and, and Facebook and Instagram and tell this. And what about this? And don't forget about that. And you get in your car and you've got radio and you've got somebody phone calling you and you've, and you get to the office and the TV's on. And I mean, whatever. And it is constant, constant noise, constant voices because of the constant and the number and the volume of voices coming at us consistently, whether we want them or not oftentimes, we can often struggle to distinguish which one to listen to. And too often actually in our culture, we have this this framework that is being, kind of being built. that causes us to listen to the wrong one. It's the framework that says, well, if you're on TV, you must be worth listening to. If you have a lot of followers, you must be worth listening to. Obviously you're famous, so therefore you have a voice I should listen to. You have a lot of friends on Facebook, therefore I should listen. It's on the internet, then somehow you are worth listening to. But the lie of our culture is that visibility equals credibility. When character equals credibility. And we need to listen to voices of character, not necessarily voices of visibility. It's not to say that they can't be the same, but too often it's visibility alone means that's the voice I should listen to, which ultimately means in our digital screen-driven world that we listen to the wrong voices and give weight to the wrong ones. Now, all of this matters, voices matter. Because humans, I believe, each and every one of us, every human I know, is thirsty for stability. Why do we care what somebody else has to say? Because, because we care about, and we're looking for stability, and we're looking for security, we're looking for peace. To use a scripture word, were you looking for shalom? Shalom. Like, like not just world peace, but like internal peace. Like we're looking for that. And if somebody can offer us something that we can hold on to, great, I'll take that. Oh, you sound like you know what you're talking about. I'll take that. Why? Because somehow it makes us feel secure. But like I said, it causes us oftentimes to look for the wrong, listen to the wrong voice. But we need to ask, which voice actually gives that stability and security and shalom? It is the voice of God. We're starting a new series today called Voice. And to jump into the topic of what does it mean and how do I listen for and grab a hold of the voice of God? Because if his voice is the voice that matters most and can actually offer what we're looking for, how do I tune in to the voice of God? So today we're going to launch out of, and this will be our, our passage of Scripture, that we want to be a part we want, to, we want to live in for the next few weeks. It's John chapter 10. In John 10, starting in verse one, it says, "Very truly, I tell you Pharisees." So Jesus is talking to the religious leaders of His day. but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they did not recognize a stranger's voice, other voices. Jesus used this figure of speech. The Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Why is he addressing the Pharisees? If you read in John chapter nine, you'll find that, that there's some hubbub going on about what they're telling people and At the end of the day, Jesus, if you read the Gospels, is regularly in conflict with the Pharisees because they're trying to encourage people and lead people towards salvation and shalom, peace in the world, and the return of the ultimate king to provide that peace and shalom. And they're saying, you've got to go through this gate, the gate of law and perfection, and he says, it's the wrong gate. They're offering you the wrong gate. And so Jesus confronts the gate that is being offered and he says, I am the gate. So he's saying to the ones who are saying, you go through doing it just right. In that particular day, you got to do this, this, and this in order to be clean. And once you're clean, then you can go through the gate. And Jesus says, no, 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 wrong gate. Wrong gate. That gate doesn't offer that. You go through that gate, you don't get what they're saying you're going to get. That's not what's on the other side. If you want what they're offering, they're offering the wrong right thing. They're just saying to go through the wrong gate. Peace and and shalom, we all want it. And there's a lot of voices saying, this is where you go. This is the gate. But Jesus said then, and he says today, I am the gate. There's a lot of gates out there that are offering flourishing and offering full life. He says, actually, there's one gate, and it's me. I'm the gate. Now, Jesus, in this passage, uses the metaphor of sheep, which is not a, it's not an uncommon metaphor in Scripture. If you study Scripture in the Old and the New Testament, sheep and shepherd, Jesus is oftentimes called the, great, the good shepherd. Oftentimes, his followers are referred to as sheep, and so this wasn't just because there was a farming agricultural culture of the day, though that's true. He was actually using the metaphor for a reason. Now, sheep, if you know anything about sheep, sheep have really bad eyesight. They have bad, specifically bad depth perception. So they bump into things, and they just, you know, like, because they can't really tell, what's near and far and what's all these things. So, so they have really bad eyesight. They're a really a, a, a skittish, afraid animal. They can't protect themselves. They are, they are, they are a predator to no one. No, nothing is afraid of a sheep, grass maybe, but that's it. Nothing else is afraid of a sheep. A sheep is something that anything, any other animal might prey on. So given that, I mean, it's not like a, wow, that's an awesome animal to be. (laughs) You know, talk to my kids, what's your favorite animal? I've never had any of my four boys say, sheep. (laughs) Lions, tigers, cheetahs, rhinos, you know, that's, that's what we get in my house. So given the limits of a sheep, it seems like it might be kind of an insult to call people sheep, right? He's calling them and he's calling people. He's calling humans sheep. Jesus is. Now, is Jesus trying to be insulting? No. Jesus' point is not insulting people. He's telling people how much they need a shepherd. Sheep need a shepherd. Lions don't need shepherds. Sheep do. He doesn't call them a lion because lions don't need shepherds. He calls them sheep because sheep need shepherds. He's saying you need a shepherd. See, the importance of a shepherd is inversely proportional to the need of the animal being shepherded. He's saying, you're going about life all by yourself as if you don't need a shepherd, but you're a sheep, you need a shepherd. People of that day knew that a sheep needed a shepherd. They would wander off, they'd die. And what's so interesting about this is the people who don't get this At the very end, it says, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Kind of proving his point, right? Now, sheep have bad eyes, like I mentioned, but they have great ears. Oftentimes the case, if one sense is not so good, another sense is really great. They have really great ears. So, what is Jesus saying? My sheep, what? See me? My sheep hear my voice. So, but as a result of their keen sense of hearing, they're easily spooked. They can hear everything. Oh, what was that? That's how they are. And oftentimes, not just in this particular passage, but in any passage where the scripture uses a sheep and a shepherd comparison, it is usually linked to the alleviation of fear. Meaning like, you guys are a little spooked right now. So let me bring in this shepherd sheep analogy because you're like sheep and you're getting spooked. Psalm 23, even if I walk through the darkest valley, he started off with, I am the great shepherd. Even if I walk through the darkest valley, you will not fear, why? Because I'm with you. You're afraid in the darkness. You're afraid you don't know where things are. You're afraid and uncertain what's ahead. It's okay. You don't need to be afraid, why? Because I, the shepherd, what you need, am with you. So what do we do when we're afraid? What do we often do when we're afraid? We often convert our fear into control. The Pharisees were afraid of what would happen if they didn't do everything exactly right. What if we're not clean? What if we don't follow the law? What if we, what if we accidentally don't follow the law even if we're trying to follow the law? So they took and they had this massive list of rules and laws that God had not given, but they were adding to it. Well, you can't do this and you can only walk this far on the Sabbath and you can't touch this and you don't do that. And this is, constitutes work. And you, I mean, on and on and on and on and on. We just got to make sure because we're afraid that if we break any law, then everything's going to be off the rails. And so they converted their fear into control. Fear sells, right? Look at the news. It's, it's, a, it's a fear show. If you don't do this, this is our, we're going to lose that. If you, if, if, you, if you say yes to this and you let them do that, then we're going to lose our country. If you don't do this and everything's going to fall apart, and watch out, this is coming, and the Russians and the Chinese and the, and the Iranians, and, and the, uh, watch out. Uh, I mean, right? Fear cells and fear spreads all over the internet. I think it was the purpose of the internet, at least the enemies. Now let's bring it down a little closer. You ever afraid of what might happen to your kids? I'm afraid my kids might do this or I'm afraid my kids might do that. So what do we try and do? We try and control our kids. Out of our fear, we convert our fear into control. What happens if you're afraid of something with your spouse? I don't want you to leave me, and that's a great concern, and like you shouldn't want them to. I think that's great. But what do we do with that fear? Do we turn it into control? I want to say this to each and every one of us today. Jesus was then and he is now today, interested in breaking our cycles of fear and control. Jesus was interested in breaking the cycle of fear and control with the Pharisees, and that's exactly what he was trying to do to them. He was trying to tell them, You're afraid, and your fear is driving your level of control that you're trying to exert over all of these people that you are supposedly a religious leader of. Jesus was really harsh with these religious leaders for this reason. And he said, You're trying to get them to find shalom by gaining control when in fact it undermines shalom you want shalom come through me that's what jesus says and he says my sheep what know my voice so in other words how are they going to find the gate how are they going to find me by knowing my voice which means you have to be close enough to the shepherd to hear the voice of the shepherd a couple of verses later john 10 says, I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. That's pretty tight. Jesus and his father, how do they know each other? Is there any relationship tighter, closer than the father and the son of God? I want my sheep to know me like I know the father and the father knows me and I lay down my life for the sheep, Jesus says. See, this is a series called Voice, and Jesus says, I want you to know my voice. It can be a little misleading sometimes because we think, well, I want to know the voice of the shepherd, so tell me the technique to recognizing his voice. I would suggest to know the voice of the shepherd is to start by knowing the shepherd. Know the shepherd. This word know, K N O W, in the Greek is gnosko. Little Greek lesson today. I think we said this actually not too long ago. So this is this is repeat class. All right, you ready? So gnosko on three. Ready one, two, three. Gnosko. All right, good, good job, Greek class. Gnosko in the Greek is not about intellectually knowing oh, I know about that person. I know that that person is, uh, Aaron is wearing a blue suit jacket today. He's 5'11", wears white shoes. Uh, You know, like, like you know about me. But it's not about intellectual knowledge. It's about relational knowledge. Like knowing somebody because you're in relationship. Uh, Anybody ever seen one of these before? Especially if you're under the age of, I don't know, 30? (laughs) This, my friends, my young friends, is a phone. <laughs> I know, you're like, how did we get, it? I know, this is what a phone looks like today, and, and because of this, you know, when, when, when somebody calls us, we usually know who it is, and if it doesn't, it's a number that we don't know, and we're like, I don't know who that person is, because if, if, if I knew who it was, they would be in my contacts, and their name would pop up, or the face would pop up, but not in here, so to, I, I don't know about you, but I don't answer the, a number that I don't know. I let it go to voicemail, listen to it. Maybe it's a scammer or a bill collector usually, or uh, I mean, not usually a bill collector. (laughs) It's not what I meant. I pay my bills. Just like somebody I don't know, all right? Somebody I don't know. So I let it go to voicemail and Every now and then it's some random person that is not my contacts, but it's not usual. It's, and If that's the case, I haven't talked to him in a long time. But this, from back in the day, I grew up with one of these before one of those came out. This was attached to a wall. Let's see, it's got a, I don't even know where that, where is that? Ah, oh, here it is. This was attached to a wall. So if you ever wanted to talk on the phone, you couldn't do it in your car. You couldn't do it in a place like this. You had to be like in your house and not just anywhere in your house, next to the phone attached to the wall. Some, dial, some numbers on here and uh, you'd call or somebody would call you, ring, 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 and you'd pick up the phone. You had no idea who it is. I mean, can you imagine that? <laughs> How crazy is that? Hello, who in the world is this? And the worst was when somebody called you and you're like, hey, how's it going? And you're like, thinking to yourself, who is this? You can't look at caller ID. There isn't such a thing. And so then you have this like probably three-second window, right, where you say, do I ask them who is this? Could be insulting because what if, what if I know them and they're like, so, so if you miss the three-second window, then you're just like fishing how's it going? What have you been up to? Oh yeah, how are your kids? You know, you're just searching for some details that will somehow identify the voice. But you know, when this happened and Jossie called me and she'd say, I'd pick up the phone and she'd say, hey, I wasn't like, mm, three second window. Should I, do I ask? Is it, No, why didn't, I, why didn't I do that? I was like, hey, We didn't mention one another's names. Why? Because I knew it was my girl. I knew it was my girlfriend at the time and it was my wife a little later. Why? I knew her voice. But why did I know her voice? Because I knew her. I knew Jossie. My sheep know my voice. Why? Because they know me. Jesus is saying they know the shepherd. See, hearing God's voice is about relationship with the shepherd. Too often we just want the voice, but not where the voice comes from. So what do you treasure more? The voice or who the voice comes from? I didn't fall in love with Jossie's voice. I fell in love with Jossie. And I loved the voice that came with it. I loved her voice. Not because I was like, you know what? You ever, (laughs) sounds like a Seinfeld episode. Don't like her voice. She's a wonderful girl. Don't like her voice. I didn't really care what the voice sounded like because I loved And that's what Jesus is saying. My sheep know my voice because they know the shepherd. So don't just treasure Jesus' voice. Treasure Jesus, treasure Jesus. So can I just encourage you, treasure the shepherd above all else, he's an amazing shepherd. His voice is awesome, but it comes from a person who is full of love and compassion. And if you treasure Jesus, you'll get his voice. If you treasure the shepherd, you'll get his voice. I love what Brother Lawrence says in Practicing the Presence of God, his little book. He says, find constant pleasure in God's company. And you say, Aaron... I get it, that's a really nice idea. But like you started off this message, we live in a really noisy, chaotic world. So how do we get rid of the voice? How do we get rid of the voices and the noise in order to tune into the shepherd in his voice? Well, there's two options. Actually, there's three. Number one, you do nothing. Uh, I don't suggest that. Number two is you could move away from all the noise to a monastery. Like, eliminate the noise, Not likely. Maybe one of you will do that, I don't know. But not a realistic option for many of us, if any of us. So let's go with option three. Let's do what Jesus did. Jesus was in the middle of all the noise, Jesus found himself being pulled on by people. And he was pulled on by Pharisees. And he was pulled on by his parents. And he was pulled on by so many people and so many voices and so much going on. And what did Jesus do? He said, I got to get away to a monastery. No, he said, I got to get away to be with my father. He did it early in the morning. He did it late at night. He did it when everybody else was pulling on him. And his disciples had been like, where are you? And he's like, oh, you know, just kind of away like, by myself, away from the noise. And so, if we are able to choose that option, it means that we develop the habit of silence and solitude. In the middle of the noisy world, the noisy world's not going away anywhere, honestly, it's probably only going to get noisier. So we have to develop the habit of silence and solitude, which means that we are engaging. We're engaging with God, we're going to participate in the reality of the voice and the the relationship with the shepherd. One of the things that I have found is that shalom can't go to spectators. Shalom is the reward of participants. And too often we wanna sit on the outside and wonder why we're not experiencing the fullness of God's life. And it's because we haven't walked through the gate. We gotta go to the gate, the shepherd, in order to experience it. And so it's kind of like, I don't know, I, I travel fairly regularly and, and so I, I, I don't know if you have one of these, but I have a set of noise canceling headphones. And it cancels out the, the <clears throat> of the airplane. And all the chatty people and all the things and the crying babies and no offense and and, 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 and you're just right there. And when you do this, I don't know what I sound like. I'm probably talking loudly. I don't know. But, but what am I doing? I'm pushing out all the other noise so I can listen to one thing. See, it's like uh, Ronald Roheiser. Ronald Rohlheiser, This is weird, by the way. Um, Ronald Rohlheiser is a, the- a Catholic theologian who wrote the book, The Holy Longing. And he says, if we basically don't do this, if we don't get away, we will distract ourselves into spiritual oblivion. Wow. So the question is are you uncomfortable in the silence? Some of you, maybe just for a moment, as I stood here and we sat there, like, say something. Maybe we get uncomfortable in silence because we're so used to the noise all the time. Jossie, my wife and I, have been married for a little over 26 years now. And I remember when Jossie and I were first dating and we would go out to a restaurant and we see somebody else at the restaurant that had been married for a while, like a long time, and they sit at the table and not talk to each other, and I thought, we're not gonna be that. Like, look at at them, they don't have anything to talk about. Look at us. (laughs) Now that I've been married for 26 years, you know what we do? We go out and we talk, for sure but sometimes we don't say anything. Is it because we've run out of things to say, well, nothing new for me, anything for you? Nope, great, How's the, how are the fries? That's not why. There's always something new to learn about. I love learning new things about my wife. And I do. We have so much to talk about, so much life that we enjoy together. What are we hearing from the Lord? We have a load of things to talk about on a regular basis. But you know why I'm now okay with what I thought I would never do? It's because we're comfortable in one another's silence. I wonder if back in the day, those people that we saw at the restaurant were comfortable in each other's silence, and Jossie and I weren't comfortable in each other's silence. Got to fill the void. Now, some of you are like, yeah, I, 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 we're, I'm silent with my wife because she's giving me the silent treatment. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> my friend, Rich Velotis, he's a pastor in Queens, New York. He wrote the book, The Deeply Formed Life. He says, the more familiar you are with someone, the easier it is to be silent in the person's presence. So if you find yourself like, I don't really love silence with God. I don't like sitting in silence with God. I don't, I, if I'm going to pray, I want to pray. Let's pray. If I'm not hearing anything, I have a hard time. Could it be that if we're uncomfortable with God in silence, it's because we aren't as familiar with him as we maybe thought we were? It's a question we've got to carry. There was an interview of Mother Teresa, famous nun who died not too long ago, and she worked in the streets of Calcutta trying to give people who were dying dignity. And she was interviewed on a, 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 one time when she was in the U.S., and, and this interviewer asked her, um, what do you say to God when you pray? Like you're a holy person. What do you say to God when you pray? She says, oh, I don't talk. I simply listen. And the interviewer really confused. It's like, okay, so so what does he say to you? And she says, he doesn't talk. He simply listens. It's not the extent of her prayer life, but now the, now, the interview is really confused. You don't say anything, he doesn't say anything. You're both listening. And she looks at the interview and she says, and if you know who Mother Teresa is, she's a small, little, at this point, really older lady. And, and she says, if, if, if you don't know what I mean, there's no way to better explain it. Because she, she's talking about a friend. She's talking about a shepherd that she knows. And if you don't know the person and you don't know what it's like to just be with somebody, it can't be explained. It can only be known. I have a chair at my house. You've heard me talk about this before. It's my chair. It's my me and God chair, me and Jesus chair. I sit there every morning. And me every day. And I set a timer because it's helpful for me to... To, you know, if I've got a schedule, which I do and you do. And so I set a timer just to get that out of my brain and not worried about how long is it, what time is it. And I sit there with Jesus. And you know what happens? I get distracted. Before you know it, I'm like thinking about my day or the schedule or a conversation I had or I have to have or something I've got to do and thinking about a sermon or whatever. And, and for a while, I was like, Aaron, Come on! But you know what I've realized? Distraction is just another opportunity for me to come back to Jesus. One more opportunity. And so, and so, you know what I, I try and do? Is just have a little word or a little phrase. It doesn't matter what it is for you, but find yours. For me, it's come Holy Spirit. It's just a reminder to... Come back. See, we don't get distracted because we're not spiritual. We get distracted because we're human. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's like uh, what's that movie that just came out recently? Luca, Silencio Bruno. You know, maybe that's your, maybe that's your your thing. You know, bring you back. Or maybe you're like, I, I'm not that uncomfortable. I just get bored. Yeah. It, Again, for you young people, boredom is something that happened in the 90s before this came out. It's when, when, when you were like standing in a line and you're like, oh, I don't have anything to do. You know, like I don't have anybody to check up on. I have no thing to do here. It's a really amazing thing. We just have distracted ourselves out of boredom. So when we find ourselves not doing something and distracted and connected and da da, da, da da and we're waiting and just sitting in silence and imagining ourselves with God, we might find ourselves in this place of I'm kind of bored. But you know what I have found? Is Jesus is on the other side and maybe even in the boredom. He's there. And so today I want to encourage, I want to give a next step to everybody. A next step for everyone. We all have our own unique steps and I'm gonna to get to that in just a moment. But this next week, will we, can we all take this one step? I want everybody this week. And maybe for some of you, this is a practice. For some of you, you do this daily. For some of you, I don't know, but I want everybody to take this week and sit down with a timer and sit in silence with God for five minutes. Now, for some of you, you're like, I got kids everywhere. It might be you have to be in the bathroom. That's your chair. It's the quietest place for you in the house okay find it it might be it might be early maybe you need to get up just a little early before the rest of the house gets up I don't know when it is but find time a five-minute chunk just you and God silence solitude stillness and you might think nothing happened it's okay just start I think it's a daily practice it's been one of the most transformational daily practices that I've ever had and you know what it didn't start. I didn't have an amazing first week. Like, wow, everything has changed. It's the accumulation of those 5 minutes or those 10 minutes every day. Now, let me just clarify something. There's something pos- really popular in our day and it's called mindfulness. I have nothing against mindfulness, but this is not mindfulness. Mindfulness is is good for us. It's good for us to calm our bodies. This is not mindfulness because this is about communion with a person and his name is Jesus. This is not even specifically meditation, like I'm going to get this and I'm going to meditate on it. Actually, you're going to picture yourself with Jesus, just sitting there, him enjoying you and you enjoying him. Why? Because we're trying to develop relational knowledge. And for some of you here today, you're like, I don't even know what you're talking about you're like the interviewer with Mother Teresa, like, what is this about? If you don't know, you don't know. But can I invite you to follow the voice of the shepherd by getting to know the shepherd? Can I invite you to a place where you say, I need a shepherd? Wow, I'm a sheep. I thought I was a lion, but I need a shepherd. We need shepherds. And the shepherd wants to break off your fear and control cycle, and he wants you to live in true peace in shalom. If that's you today, will you, will you take a moment and humble yourself and say, I'm a sheep, I need a shepherd. Jesus, will you be my shepherd? Will you be my shepherd? Maybe that's you for the first time or the first time in a long time. As you do that, you're coming to the gate and he welcomes you in into a pasture where there is true salvation and shalom and flourishing and peace in our hearts and our lives. It is everything that we are longing for. The other thing about sheep is that sheep are always in a flock, always because isolated sheep get distressed Get really distressed. So, so to be together is a main form of protection for sheep. If you're alone and you do not have other sheep around you, you're probably experiencing more distress than others. So can I encourage you, get in a city group in order to be around some other sheep for the protection of your own heart and your life. Jump into a city group. It's not too late. I want to take a moment and pray. Father, we thank you. Well, we thank you, God, that you are the one you are the one who meets us. You are the one who provides what we all long for. We're running after all these other gates, but God, today we say we want to run to the gate that offers it. Not a popular idea in our culture, God, but we may we have the boldness and may we be motivated by the Holy Spirit to come to you, Jesus, the way to find safety, shalom, shalom, Salvation, life, good news. This we pray in the powerful name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen.